0: Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy, this is real life. I'm your host, Anna lindberg Cedar, and I'm happy to join you again today because we are going to be talking about how to use sports psychology to make change. And when you ask what kind of change, that part is really up to you. And as you know, we practice mindfulness principles on this podcast and talk about how to adapt therapy concepts into everyday self-care and part of that mindfulness approach is that we are non-judgmental about self-care and so you get to decide what works for you and to help you do that we're going to talk about sports psychology and something that I was really excited to learn In grad school, when I learned the principles of behavior change and behavioral analysis, something really cool that I learned was that even though, self-disclosure, I'm not a huge sports fan or follower. I really enjoy going to a game outdoors and I love the social experience, but I don't track the stats or know much about sports um so please be gentle with that don't make fun of me for that uh thank you very much um but i learned in grad school that i could have a dip a little toe into the sports world because i got to learn the principles of sports psychology which i thought was really cool because it allowed me to um later over my career i've i've had the opportunity to work with sports players or um, athletes that are transitioning into other fields of work, and it's been really fun to get to hear a little bit about the sports world while using the principles of sports psychology actually with anyone who's interested and curious to learn how they might use those principles in their everyday life. So as you know, the podcast strives to translate therapy concepts into self-care strategies that any of us can use in a moment to help us make change. Let's think about how we might use sports psychology principles in everyday life. So of course, what I'm pulling from today is Uh, are the strategies from dialectical behavior therapy. And if you're following along, you might be reading the dialectical behavior therapy book of handouts and worksheets from Marsha Linehan and her most recent uh, second edition. Today, we're gonna be looking at the emotion regulation handout number 19. This skill DBT calls cope ahead but if you are into sports psychology it's gonna sound really familiar to you because you're gonna recognize the basic steps so the first thing you're gonna do if you're using sports psychology to make a change or as DBT calls this skill cope ahead you have to define what your goal is And if we're going to use Cope Ahead, we might think of, you know, how that athlete might use this skill. They're using it to prep for a really challenging game. And this is a game that would probably stress them out. Maybe they're going against a rival that really makes them feel nervous or intimidated. Or maybe they're trying a new technique that they've never done before, so they've have that feeling of imposter syndrome. That's exactly when they would use these principles to help them calm their nerves and prepare for the game. They would put themselves in the zone and they would mentally rehearse this skill that I'm going to describe in a moment called cope ahead. So while an athlete would use this to imagine getting themselves in the zone, to knock, you know, hit a home run out of the park, or to not have a a panic attack on the basketball court so that they can really focus their vision on getting it into the hoop. That's something that an athlete would do. So of course you can use these principles to improve your game in whatever sport you choose. But you could also use it to prepare for other difficult moments in life. So with sports you might be coming you know getting over anxiety to help you be in in the zone. One of my clients taught me the sports psychology term called you know the case of the yips is when you might um, suddenly lose skill in a certain area and then all of a sudden kind of spiral and worry that you're never going to get it back and sometimes that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy was how they explained it to me that you just get overcome with nerves and it can damage your skill set actually. So if you're not using it in the sports realm, how else might you use it? Well, let's say you're trying to change harmful behaviors into healthier behaviors if you're following along in the podcast you possibly listen to a recent episode called how to change unhealthy patterns which goes along really nicely with the skill of cope ahead because that that skill helps you look at patterns in your behavior and notice where there are gaps in coping and help you problem solve where you might put a self-care skill. Go ahead is when you already know what you would like to do instead. So what would go in that place? And if you're trying to reduce harmful patterns or behaviors, maybe you're trying to reduce your use of substances, drinking or drugs or using food in the same way, binging, or even invisible harmful behaviors like worrying, ruminating, uh, or even pointing that towards other people, kind of thinking critical or contemptuous or judgmental thoughts. So you get to define whatever harmful behavior means to you. And then we're going to replace that with something that feels like Coping, And we're going to plan that out ahead of time so that you have it available to you. It's really hard to come up with coping when you're in the middle of a stressful moment. The whole idea behind cope ahead is that you already have done that really good preparation ahead of time. What are other examples of how you might use COPE AHEAD? You might use this skill, COPE AHEAD, or that sports psychology visualization, to help you cope with difficult relationships. And that could be anywhere in your life, could be difficult relationships at work. You might be preparing to ask for a raise or, or a change in scope, or you might be thinking about social situations like preparing for a high school reunion or seeing a group of people you haven't seen in a really long time. This skill of cope ahead is really flexible and it's designed to help you prepare for situations that might cause anxiety or stress and it's an alternative to just worrying and ruminating about that problem it gives you a set of steps that you can follow to replace those patterns with self-care strategies. Okay, so we already know that Cope Ahead is a research-backed tool to help us make change from Self harmful behaviors towards more strategic actions of self care. Let's dive into the specific, the specific steps that we would take to, to carry us through that skill set. So, number one, DBT says we have to describe the situation that is likely to prompt the problem behavior. We're going to check the facts and we're going to be specific in describing the situation. DBT asks us to name the emotions and actions likely to interfere with using whatever self-care skill you're trying to use in that moment. So before I mentioned a bunch of different examples of when you might use this skill cope ahead, we talked about how it overlaps really well with sports psychology and you would Uh, Picture how to change your physical technique or calm anxiety in a moment of peak performance. Uh, I mentioned how you might reduce or change harmful behaviors such as substance use, or you could use it in in communication around relationships and setting boundaries. So as we walk through the steps right now, let's do a little mix and match. Let's imagine that... um, Someone is trying to just develop healthier behaviors all around in their life. And they are giving a month without alcohol. Let's say they're trying a month of um, no alcohol use. And one of the stresses they're facing is they're not actually sure how they'll they'll, um, manage that in social situations. Part of the reason they use alcohol... Uh, Could be any substance, insert whatever substance you want to talk about here, but let's use as an example, um, alcohol. Part of the reason that person may use it could be to manage social anxiety. So we're going to mix and match when we think through how someone might cope ahead with reducing or changing their alcohol use while managing that little bit of social anxiety that can come with with that change. So in this situation, step one, we're describing exactly the situation that if we weren't making this change, if we weren't coping ahead, that knee-jerk reaction would be just to drink right along with your peers and not even pay attention, not really be mindful to how that makes you feel. And then you might suffer the consequences later, or you might feel like, um, you know, a sense of out of alignment because you weren't intentional about that choice. So in this situation, you would be noticing the urge to drink um, and it would, be, it would feel more intense uh, with social anxiety. So anxiety and uh, drinking are the actions and feelings there. Step number two. We would decide what coping or self-care actions we want to use instead. Let's say during that month of uh, sobriety light or that you know that little experiment, let's say you have a work function coming up, a networking event, and you have to put the charm on and be a social butterfly, and you may or may not, let's say not be in the mood for that. But you have to show up and you've already RSVP'd. And so let's imagine if you're in a networking mindset in terms of coping behaviors, you would probably like to be busy networking. And you would have to imagine every detail of that situation. What would you do with your hands? What would you be holding? Would you have a different drink instead would you uh, say no thank you if someone offered to pour you a drink if they asked you a question about why you said no what coping or problem-solving would you like to go in that place would you like to have an explanation for the change would you like to tell them any information like I'm trying a month without alcohol to see how it feels or Uh, would, would you like to keep it at no thank you and that's enough information for you you would have to make that assessment so step three in cope ahead is to imagine the situation in your mind as vividly as possible so we've already thought about what the trouble spots might be and I want you to now imagine that you're in the zone and you're really you're you're almost one with that experience. If we were doing that sports psychology, you would you would imagine the the smell of the breeze and the temperature and the beads of sweat on your brow and the temptation to run away, but you would notice the coping to hold steady and and focus your vision and really put your mind where you want it to be so that means that you already know what you're going to do instead so in that social situation you would have decided how much you're going to drink or not at all you would know what to say to anyone who brought it up you know you might make a casual um, gentle remark about it joke or not and step four in cope ahead is now you're going to rehearse it This is the part that's going to feel familiar to you if you've heard of sports psychology. You're going to picture yourself knocking it out of the park. You're going to picture exactly what you would realistically do on your best day. You're going to stay within reality as you imagine that because you're going to think about things you would actually do to cope in that situation. You would imagine your thoughts, actions, would imagine how difficult it might feel to do those things and you would imagine how you would go ahead and do them anyways and you would actually keep imagining it until you imagined every way it could go sideways Um, and then you would imagine coping with that as well so you'd go ahead and let yourself even kind of catastrophize as part of this Uh, but each time you catastrophize, it comes with coping attached to it. And you're going to let yourself go there. So if we were doing sports psychology, you would imagine they're sending you their most terrifying curveball pitch that's never been invented before. And you would just imagine really holding steady and just connecting uh, with the ball and just the sensation of Um, you know, how sweet it would feel to do that. You would just rehearse that over and over again in your mind. And you can put a time limit on this. You don't want to be worrying all day long. That's actually the point of this is that it's specific and strategic. So you might do all of this rehearsal in the span of five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. This was a job interview. You might think really specifically about, non-negotiables or areas of flexibility and then at the end what makes this different than worrying or perseveration or rumination or the beginnings of a panic attack is that you're going to nip all of that in the bud by ending all of this with just a little bit of relaxation So you've already done all the hard work of imagining exactly what you're gonna do to cope with all that stress in the moment. Now you're gonna cope with the stress of this moment. And you're gonna do perhaps some mindful breathing, or you're gonna write down in your journal some gratitudes for things that are already going well. Or if you're feeling anxious about something, you're gonna ask yourself, hmm, what am I actually really excited about here? What could go really well? Whatever it is, you're going to do some kind of coping in this moment to encapsulate this little kind of worry time. This is almost like a little bit of worry time that you you had pre-planned with coping attached to it. And the reason why we end this with something relaxing is so that this doesn't spill over into the rest of your day. And this is probably going to feel a little bit challenging in the beginning because, of course, you're imagining yourself making a change and change is really hard for people to do oftentimes and so if it does feel hard for you to do i want you to start imagining coping with even that sensation so you might imagine saying it's okay i'll give it a try or i'll stick with it a little longer or i'll see how it feels So this skill is really flexible. It's not exactly the same as fake it till you make it because I'm not actually asking that you pretend to have a feeling that you don't have, but rather pay mindful attention and see how it feels when you put yourself in the position of imagining what it could feel like to be in that place, which is subtly a little different. So you get to play around with that and see how it feels. Thank you for listening to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. Remember, this is not therapy. This is real life. And self-care is meant to be shared. So if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share in the app that you're listening to now or text it to a friend or self-care buddy who might enjoy listening right along with you I hope you have a wonderful day and I'm just imagining that you're coping ahead right now which makes me really happy Did you know that Therapy for Real Life offers burnout prevention hackathons for the workplace? I'm your host Annalyn Brickseater and I'm happy to announce that Therapy for Real Life now comes to your workplace to offer therapy concepts adapted into self-care strategies that you can use on the job. As you know, Therapy for Real Life is a Bay Area based burnout prevention counseling program but now you don't have to participate in the therapy programs to learn what happens in therapy. If you're a listener of the therapy for real life podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate of teaching people the strategies that work for them to manage stress, burnout, anxiety, and depression in their lives. Not everyone can make it to therapy. Managers and HR professionals are well aware that stress is at an all-time high in the workplace. Wouldn't you like to equip your staff with self-care strategies to help them manage stress on the job? Therapy for Real Life's burnout prevention hackathons give staff a fun and interactive way to learn research-backed self-care strategies on the job. As your facilitator, I will come in and present relaxation strategies, cognitive coping exercises, and examples of mindfulness that your staff can pick from and practice in the workshop to see what works best for them. Teach your staff and coworkers not only ways to take care of themselves on the job, but create that culture of self-care and teamwork together. Find out more about hosting a burnout prevention hackathon at your workplace by going to therapyforreallife.com and selecting the workshops page or emailing me directly at therapy at annacedar.com. That's therapy at a n n a c e d a r. I look forward to being in touch. Have a great day.